It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome to the Game Podcast. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and this week I'm joined by, and guess what? They're all in the studio. Patty Barkley, Allison Rudd, and Stuart Robson. Morning, all. I'm just so excited. Today we're going to be reviewing the action from Liverpool versus Manchester United and Arsenal against Sunderland. We're also going to be debating what clubs need to do to keep their staff in check following some rather unsavory incidents involving air rifles and Scots. So please join us for the next 35, 40 minutes or so. One place to start this week, and it's uh, well, Liverpool and Manchester United. Um, lots of implications here, but I want to start with picking on the referees, of course, because we've got the qualified referee here. Um, Jamie Carragher on Nanny. Now, I, when I saw it in real time, and this is the only benefit of the doubt Phil Dowd is getting from me on this one, is I thought, ooh, that's definitely yellow. Then, of course, I saw the replay and I said, ooh, that's definitely a red and possibly a prison sentence. Um, but I, I, then again, I am not a professional referee like Phil Dowd and I'm not on the pitch five yards away. Um, so I think it's only fair we start with Allison and put her right on the line. Defend your boy Phil here. Uh, well, first of all, I think Phil is a, a very good referee, one of the best. Yes, but even um, I the think... best make mistakes. Even Jesus fell while carrying the cross. <laughs> We're not, nobody's saying this guy's a good referee or a bad referee, but did he make a glaring mistake, which possibly could have changed the course of the game and, and also denied the whole nation the joy of hearing Sir Alex Ferguson's views as a result? Right, when you go back, when you, if you go back to your... I've only done the first level of referee training. I don't know, I don't know what happens when you become the referee for top, top, Premier League matches but the very very basics of of awarding a foul you have to decide if a tackle is careless and it's a free kick if it's reckless you book them if it's dangerous you get a red card and in a split second I don't think it's too ludicrous for somebody even if they're highly experienced and have been refereeing for a long time to decide that that was a reckless rather than a dangerous tackle. There's high, yeah, the photograph with hindsight shows that, that, that there's a gash on the knee, um, but but that's not that is actually not what refereeing's about. It's a not it is you're not supposed to decide will I get a medical bulletin tomorrow morning saying that a particular player in, in a tackle had because you can get hurt you can hurt yourself just by your studs twisting in the gun. That's not relevant how how much blood might be spilled. You have to decide at that moment if you if you think it was reckless or dangerous. And I think it's perfectly 
perfectly feasible to decide at can that you, moment that it was reckless. Right, well then, having put all those provisos in, then can, can I throw something out to you? If Phil Dowd were omniscient and he had seen it perfectly um, and he didn't have a split second to decide, would he have given a red and should he have given a red? If he had x-ray vision and he could see what's happening under the sock and he saw the exact angle of the studs and he could work out the velocity of the tackle, he may have decided, actually, maybe it's more dangerous than reckless. But so what? That's not what happens. Patty, you you love physical challenges and yeah. and been, you know getting stuck in and stuff yeah. like that. So I'm I'm sure you probably don't even think it was a foul, right? Uh, it was uh, it was a particularly odious foul. Um, I think there's too much physical odious challenge. Odious isn't on the list. Was it reckless or dangerous? Uh, I, I I agree with Alison's analysis of it. I thought it was absolutely spot on. But um, and I thought Dowd had an excellent match. Um, overall, uh, as most referees do in most matches. But um, the point about this is that it showed that uh, non-retrospective refereeing of televised matches is passé, it's gone. Because, you know, what we see in every single match uh, now, we see post-match analysis, which proves that a very, 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 very good referee got something terribly wrong, as Dowd did on Saturday. Therefore, the game is not its capable of being refereed by the naked eye anymore, and we just have to understand that and have retrospective refereeing of things that are cynical, dangerous, obviously not this decision or that, but um, things that are cynical and dangerous. I mean, for a, I'll give you a perfect example. It, you won't read it in any newspaper, but um, in the West Bromwich Albion against Birmingham City match, uh, there was an opportunity which uh, Morrison, the West Bromwich player, put away. But the, uh, beg your pardon, it was Ibulemo or somebody there. Anyway, the striker um, uh, who scored, I think, the first goal. As he uh, uh, put, stuck his leg out, exposed leg out to make a very brave finish, uh, I think it was Roger Johnson came across with a horrendous tackle, which missed by about a yard. Now that, retrospectively, should be punished by a three-match suspension. The level of danger and recklessness that routinely goes on in the game now demands that we have uh, retrospective judgment simply to pr protect life and limb. Because sooner or later, we're going to have somebody's legs snapped in front of the cameras and we're going to say, oh, we're going to have to do something about it. Let's do it now. The, that man you're, uh, whose name you're mentioning is actually um, the guy you're looking for is, uh, of course, Yusuf Malumbu, the poor man's uh, Claude Makalele. Yeah. Um, just, just for the record. But it was a so brave, the, brave goal. And we don't want tackles coming into the game that t that make players tend not to do brave things. I'm thinking back of the Eduardo uh, when he broke his leg. He was doing a brave technique, which is to use your leg to protect, uh, to, 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 to deter a tackle. Martin Taylor was not deterred by it. And, uh, and Eduardo's leg was terribly broken in his career. Never. We don't want to lose players simply because defenders are taught to be reckless. Stuart, I, I want to be very clear on this. I, I, I've had the privilege of spending a little bit of time with Jamie Carragher. I really, really like the guy. Mm -hmm. I think he made a mistake. I think mean, he knows he made a mistake. He mm -hmm. went and he apologized afterwards. Um, I appreciate everything Alison's saying. Well, if it's reckless or dangerous or, or mm -hmm. careless or whatever. Jamie Carragher is a professional footballer. He's mm -hmm. got great control and body coordination. His leg is up way, way higher than it should be. It's not near the ball. He strikes the opponent in the leg. Let's just forget the damage he does. How is that not 
a straight red. I, I, how are we well, even it, now? it should have been a straight red, but I, I'm going to go and the, the point is, and we're all missing the point, is that the referee should always be seen to be right. Whether he's made a, a poor decision, whether he should have sent uh, Carragher, and I think he should have sent Carragher off, we have got to back referees, otherwise you'll get nobody refereeing football matches. Every press conference I hear nowadays is having a go at the referee. That's different in Italy where they talk about the tactics and they talk about the manager. Oh, what no, could no, you have done we, better? We, what could you have, have done there? We, we destroy referees too. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. You, but you do talk about tactics. The English managers don't want to talk about Arsene Wenger disgusted by the decisions okay. given we'll, we'll, against We'll Arsenal. get to Wenger, but I mean, on this specific point, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't want to sound like, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson's spokesman, mm. although he obviously needs one because he's not speaking himself. <laughs> but right now, I'm involved in a title race. I've got mm. a huge um, game coming up against against Arsenal, an even bigger one against in mm. the Champions League coming up uh, against Marseille. And this is this is something that changed the game because yes, I am two 0 down. But if they he sends Carragher off, how many times then, has, has no, it changed I, I, the game in Manchester United's benefit? You know, well, it, it, it goes it in swings and roundabouts. It may have done, but he also injured my player, who, by the way, Nani is really the only creative force Arsenal ha- uh, United have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's leading the Premier League in assists. Who knows how long how long he's going to be out for? I lose a guy for an absurd tackle like that, and I mean, should you not have the right to be angry? Should, should you should should you not? go back and say maybe, maybe I, I would, if I was the manager of Manchester United I wouldn't be angry with the referee because the referee only gets one view of it he, that's all he gets one view of it and you said as you started the, the thing you said when I first saw it I thought it was a yellow card yeah, but I'm sitting um, on you, my sofa you think, and I'm not a professional referee yeah, but the referee doesn't get action replays he's a human being he just he doesn't get an action replay oh let's have another look at it he, he might know the laws better than you uh, and he might be more trained in decision making um, but he's still got the same eyes as you and this is the problem uh, that I mean, I mean, Stuart says that you've got we've got to back referees. That's what I that's what I was trying to say. That I think it is impossible. We are asking referee. We I mean we we I think we all agreed that Dowd had an excellent match. Yet we are talking about. No, I, I think maybe you mis- should speak for, for yourself on that one. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, uh, Alison said so. She's a qualified referee, um, uh, or starting to qualify as a referee. I've been Stuart, watching. Stuart, do you agree? Excellent match. I don't think he had an excellent match because he made a mistake with the, with the sending off. There you go, 50-50. We've got a hung parliament. Yeah, and he's saying we've got back referees and he's knocking him. No, so no, I mean, I'm, not, no I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying you've, got a, you've got a back referee. That we shouldn't be having debates on the television pundits shouldn't well, be having debates be, about the we referee. Wouldn't, we wouldn't be having a debate if you'd agreed with me. Stuart's right, because it, it's the easy out for a manager who's who's lost points or whose team haven't performed as and they it's should. it's an easy out for pundits as well. Pundits, That's instead true. of concentrating on... Because most pundits don't understand the game tactically. No, so no. what they can do is look at a, look at a, an action replay and say... Oh, look at it eight times yeah. and then look say... Look at eight oh, times, it was a bad right, decision. Well then, let's, I mean, if you want let's... anger, if you want anger, by all means, if you're a manager or a player, be angry at an opponent that you feel um, crossed the line and was, mm. didn't display so the sportsmanship. So it's OK to be angry at Jamie Carragher Be angry if then. you want to be yeah. angry at Jamie yeah. Jamie Carragher, but because it, it, you, you know, injured your player, yeah, he injured, it's, like, it's like being angry at the mother who happens to be oh, have a toddler and the toddler spits at your toddler. You didn't tell the toddler to spit, and the mother says like you're a naughty chap, don't do that again, and you get angry with the mother. He, mm. he, is it, Phil Dow's not responsible for the tackle, mm. he, and he, he he did set up a match where he wanted it to be. A good game of football, you know. He, 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 his, his whole persona was one where I want this to flow. I don't want people to be sent off. I want this to be a. Why does he not want to? This is what this is what gets me. This this idea. I mean, I'm sorry. This goes back into the whole like Howard Webb, like the not spoil the game thing. I mean, I'm sorry if you tackle like that. 
you know, then you're not spoiling the game. You're spoiling the game by, by, by leaving him on the pitch. Right. I don't want to send people out. What, what does that mean? I don't want to send people out. Your job isn't to do what you want to do. Your job is to enforce the rules. Now, if, if you saw it in real time and you didn't, you somehow didn't think it was quite as dangerous or, or, or as, 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 as it looked afterwards, that's fine. You make a mistake. But to go on the pitch no, and like, I want to keep I'm the game flowing. Because no, because you need to sorry. let him stay on the pitch. In, right, in that, in but he shouldn't reason. have come onto the pitch with that mindset about like I want to let the game flow. Who do you think you are, David Ellery? You know, this is not your job. Your job is to enforce no, it the is rules. Your job. It's the, your job not to be over officious to make it all about me, 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 the referee. No, it's not this about you, very, you, you. Overall, it's about the this rules. This was a very, very, very difficult weekend for officials. Well, well, Every single referee this weekend was not themselves because of what happened with Clattenburg. Clattenburg, um, it, it is. I understand he thought twice about ever. Blooming walking out on a pitch again with okay. the amount the amount of vitriol that came his way mm. because he was unable to um, apply retrospective refereeing whether he'd wanted to or not and he wasn't and able to explain himself game, either to game, anybody because he had to shut Craven up right Cottage, as a game at Craven Cottage when his name was announced the crowd started to mumble oh it's Clatterbury right so in he, immediately they were, they were against him every decision he made they booed the players were over aggressive for a game that really wasn't what wasn't you would expect to be mm. and he refereed oddly he. He made sure he he did these strange body language things where he made everyone notice. I'm looking. I'm looking at this tackle. I am looking at this passage of play. It was almost cartoon refereeing because he wanted everyone to see. I am watching this closely, and I think he he was affected by what had happened to him. Could probably done with a bit of a holiday. But I also think every single referee was feeling under pressure, and they should not. They should not be under that amount of pressure. The trouble is, they're not not allowed to referee with common sense because the rules now and, and and managers will do it. I've seen too many games this season. You talk about not being sent. I've seen too many games ruined by a sending off that should never have been a sending off because the rules say, or oh, if he was going through on goal and it's a lo- he's the last man and he makes a bad challenge. The reason that rule was brought in because you didn't want to see Willie Young tackles right. on Paul Allen in 1981. There's, I mean, a Blackpool player gets sent off against Arsenal and, and it ruins the game. Arsenal win the game six nil, make or whatever it's six. I think it's six nil. Everett is going for a challenge. You can't even see Shamak coming. He's going to tackle the ball and Shamak has no chance of actually keeping control. But just gets his toe there before ever and Everett just brings it up. the referee last man oh it could have been a goal I'm going to send you off when, spot the game it was well, the end of the game sorry, but, the, but this is but sorry but this specific law Patty is I mean is actually it's not it's, it's not a black and white law it's designed you know it gives it gives the referee discretion of what is a clear yeah, but what goal about scoring when a, player, it, when a player's running with the ball and the defender he just gets in front of it and he then takes the ball across the defender and the and the defend, and the defender clips his heels accidentally it, it, he gets sent off it for it Unbelievable. The law, when the law was brought in, uh, it, uh, there, was a, there was actually advice to referees inserted at the end which made clear that this was for Willie Young, Paul mm. Allen offence. It was for deliberate yeah, cynicism yeah. rather than a foul which had unfortunate consequences. And uh, I think it was a grave error to, to, to take away that instruction just simply in the ground. You look at the Wolves uh, goal yesterday, or the Wolves penalty yesterday, I thought the referee was absolutely right. He, Hutton's pulled him back, but it's not a, it, it, the punishment is the penalty. And a book. Okay, well, you yeah, should get sent off for that. That's, I mean, I, I mean, yes, I, I, thought you know. it, I thought it was a good yeah. decision. Um, Dirk Cow gets a hat trick, um, an Inzaghi style hat trick. Yeah. Liverpool play four four two, which I thought was uh, um, which, which I thought was was kind of neat. I mean, we're not really used to seeing Cow up front that much. Um, 
Luis Suarez. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Hasn't football come on an amazing journey where a home team are playing 4-4-2 and everyone's surprised? Oh, oh, looking at the lineup. Oh, we were thinking they might play five at the back, but no. Oh, it's going to be 4-2-3-1. Oh, and then it's 4-4-2 and everyone's shocked. It's amazing. Maybe be, be, you know. Giving some props to to Kenny Dalglish here, I, I know it's it's difficult for Allison, especially, to say nice things about about King Kenny. But you know, it was his birthday. He's shown a tactical flexibility, which supposedly British managers don't have. Um, well, it it's good to see him play three at the back in, when he first went in there and played three at the back because everybody thinks you've got to play a flat back four, and you know, that was the that was the rule for a little while. Well, everybody seemed to say we have to play four three three. I remember yep. the World Cup. Whatever all those clever people saying four four two is dead. You know, I mean, you, you, you've got to be adaptable. You've got to, and that's when and players are young. They've got to be shown several different systems and be able to play in several different systems. So when a new phase comes into football, when a new manager comes in, when a new coach with different ideas comes in, you're able as a player to cope with those new ideas. Because the, the thing that was always thrown at coaches, if they went away from 4-4-2, everybody went, players don't know it. They can't understand it. You can, you can only play 4-4-2. And then as soon as Mourinho comes in and plays 4-3-3 and they and start winning things, everyone says, well, 4-3-3 is the way to go. It's, 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 it's fashions um, and, and, besides, and fads. Besides, Arsenal, when Arsenal play their current system, which is the fashionable 4-2-3-1, it's virtually 4-2-4. Yeah. So, I mean, the idea that only having one centre f- spearhead centre forward is in some way more defensive than 4-4-2 I think is uh, Valencia simplistic. played a little while ago without any centre forward they yeah. play with, with, with wide players 4-6-0 yeah, I mean, mean wide players they're attackers uh, yeah, that's Unai Emery he's I mean, the, the, the most, the, the most, uh, the most uh, pretty, pretty Brazil team of all time, 1982, played with only one up front, and he was terrible, and five too. in midfield. He, he was perceived as a weakness, but I mean, as they uh, beat Scotland five-two. I mean, the, the most attack. I mean, one of the best and most underrated teams I think there's ever been in England played only one up front, which was the Spurs team under David Pleat. Mm. Um, Clive Allen. Yeah, yeah, Clive Allen, and score, he scored 49 goals that season. So playing with only one up front could, is, is, un, is not defensive. Um, I, I just, just want to turn a little bit to to uh, Manchester United because I I made this point. I, I look at the Premier League this year and I think you know what nobody's good of mm, the good teams, right. and I almost wonder you know should we just not, not have a Premier League? Yeah, why don't we just not award it this season? But <laughs> if United win the title in these conditions, I was just I was just looking at this about you know who was actually. Who is actually out there? You have a goalkeeper who's 40 years old and is retiring at the end of the season. He's been one of your best players this year. Mm-hmm. You have Rafael, who I think I know people are saying, "Oh, look, he's growing into the role and stuff," but I I, I think he's been he's been hit or miss. Mm-hmm. You had Wes Brown, who hasn't played since November, mm-hmm. and incidentally, I think it's pretty much an open secret. You know, is is not on Sir Alex Ferguson's Christmas list anymore. He's basically forced to play him. You have Smalling, who has started 15 before uh, Saturday. Started 15 more Premier League games mm-hmm. than Allison had. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ever fine. You have Scholes, who's 36, and I think is you know it certainly showed his age. I thought in the game he was completely overwhelmed. He's the you worst player on the field. Well, worse than Carrick. Yes. I, mean, I, I think I think oh, it could have been close. A think, lot worse. You know, Carrick. At least Carrick ambled. <laughs> Carrick who ambles. Uh, you know, uh, Giggs is 37, and you know, and by the way, great shout out breaking Bobby Charlton, the uh, Bobby Charlton's appearance record. But you know, he's 37. He's not Superman. He, it's somebody amazing that he's out there and he performs the way he does. Nani goes off. You have Bill Berbatov. This was the first game he'd started in a month in the league. I don't know that Sir Alex really trusts him. You have Rooney who's still having this terrible season. Um, well, you uh, win the. I mean. You win the title in those to. conditions, right? 
then I, what do they have to do? They, 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 have, they have to build a 1,000-foot statue of Sir Alex Ferguson outside the ground. Either that or not award the title and say, you know, everybody's rubbish, and that's why United wins it this look, year. When you looked at Manchester United centre-halves yesterday, surely you'd have made the midfield in front of them much stronger. It was unbelievably it, poor management, it, wasn't it? I thought it was because... But who's he supposed to play in midfield? At one point, I was tweeting with Luke Dickinson. He had to play three in midfield. With those back two, he had to play three in midfield Fletcher. because skulls can't defend. Fletcher has a and virus. And character. Sorry, but, but, but Fletcher, Fletcher's unwell. Play gig, bring gigs into what a midfield. You've got, to play three, you got to play three in central midfield when you've got those two centre-backs playing. Arsenal and Sunderland, and really, I mean, we've touched upon this, and, and, and the, the the two games should really be spoken of together. I mean, Arsenal, I, I'm just going to say, Arsenal lost two points. Um, I, I thought it was a game where, where they huffed and puffed, and they created plenty of chances, and there were some contentious issues. But I, against a Sunderland team, who, by the way, I thought were actually really bad. I mean, uh, Mignolet made some great saves, but Sunderland showed me very, very little. Um, if you don't convert, you lose, right, Stuart? I mean, yeah. it's... it's the, well, I thought, I thought, actually, you're doing Sunderland a misservice in the first half. I thought Sunderland played well in the first half. I thought they had a... They, they had first the same, 20 minutes. They had the same game plan as, as Birmingham had to, to leave one up front and to make sure that Arsenal played in front of them. And actually, Arsenal, in the first half, did try and get the ball in behind Sunderland. Bentham made two or three good runs, and that's when they looked most dangerous because, unfortunately, Diaby and the um, uh, Nilsson played mm. poorly in midfield mm. and they couldn't mm. pass at the same fluency and Wilshire playing further forward didn't get much of the ball. So they did actually go longer in a couple of... And that's when they looked dangerous. And Sunderland created one or two chances. They created an overload against Clichy when Henderson made a mess up of his sort of cross shot, and Cessyon yeah. went past him too easily and got a shot in. I think that Chesney saved. So I thought Sunderland played well first half, but in the second half, when Arsenal upped the tempo, uh, I thought they were going to score at any time in that in that last 20 minutes. But they didn't take their chances. But they did. I thought Arsenal did show that they were prepared to throw the ball in the box. You know, if you look at the the chances again they had was Shamak in the air, Bentner in the air, uh, and Ars. 
great patience, great variety. Uh, I think the, the, the performance was, was written off as a poor one, wrongly, because they were, they were playing against a team that lost four in a row and set the stall out, mm. basically. And did it, I, I disagree with you, Gab, slightly. Having been there, um, the, the work and the pressing was actually quite quite good in terms of what they were trying to achieve which was to negate Arsenal and yet still Arsenal kept going and kept going and played the percent and and, and created two clear chances for Arshavin and it wasn't his fault that they were taken away one by a linesman one by a referee aha so it's the referee's fault I'm not saying no, it. he's blaming the referees he's I, not backing I'm referees saying, I'm saying Allison, get him. that the refereeing decisions went uh, referee and linesman decisions went against. I don't blame the referee for for the um, not giving the red card and the penalty because you know these things are very hard to spot. We all make thousands of misjudgments a day. I'm doing the commentary I, on but, it, but I blame the yeah. And you, did, you, I was doing the commentary and the first one. I you said he slipped. I thought it, it shouldn't be. A, it was not a penalty. He's yeah, got through and he's had a shot, Archivin. And I the second one, I said, oh, he's offside. And then when you see the action replay, he's onside. Well, so I, I, I was convinced it was onside that one. But I mean, I've got a thing about onside, but. The point about the linesman's decision is it's not it, you can't just excuse it because the linesman, the laws specifically forbid a linesman when there is the slightest element of doubt from raising his flag and he committed that sin. And in my opinion, he should be suspended for three Maybe matches for he that had no because doubt. he deliberately broke the law. But if he, he had deliberately no, broke if, the law, if he yes, he did because it, it the, the law is actually says that if there is an element of doubt and anyone who couldn't see an element of doubt, in so that, what about? At Birmingham last week. Match. What about Birmingham last week it's when uh, Bowie, uh, Bowie, Boyer runs through yes. and gets brought down by Chesney when he was clearly on the side? Correct. Uh, Arsene, Wenger, yeah. Arsene Wenger forgets about that one when he talks about disgusting decisions and how it's changed the season. No, that's a fair point. Yes, fair point. Yeah, Allison. and we talk about spur of the moment, but Wenger had a bit longer to decide exactly. what vocabulary he was going to use and to decide that, of all the things that's happened to him in his footballing career, to say that disgusted him, that decision is is ridiculous. Yes, I think disgusted was the wrong word. Um, in light of all this, um, and I, I, see, I only got Paddy's opinion on this before, so I just want to quickly, before we, we wrap this up and move to the debate, I want to get Alison Stewart. Um, should we sign a Premier League title this season? I, I, dis, well, I don't know if you're just being a little sort of no, I'm provocative, being kind of serious here. Yeah, but I think it's a marvellous season. Sunderland, we just mentioned Sunderland. Sunderland are ten points off a Champions League place, eight points off relegation. Doesn't get more exciting than that. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely perfect season, and uh, you know all you have to do at the end of the season to get the champ to get the title is to have the most points out of all the teams. I mean, and it's great that there's so many teams that can beat each other. You don't oh. want one team just running away with it. Yeah, you, you, you don't want Chelsea doing what you know three years no, ago everyone was saying. Oh, Chelsea are going to win it for the next ten years. Yeah. Well, you 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 want? I mean, I I think what you want is is teams who are playing who are playing well, and I, I don't just mean and I mean and, and teams are playing well, obviously, you know, within the limit of of, of their scopes. And yes, but I mean, and I, and I think you take Bolton. I mean, forget the top of the table, right? Mm. Go go beyond that mm. and ask yourself who's been playing you know relatively well all season. Yeah, and I would suggest Bolton. I, I, I might suggest Blackpool. Yeah. You know, again, always relative to, 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 what, yes. to what what they can do. Um, but and Stoke actually, you know, I think they need to update their game plan a little bit. But within well, what they do, the FA Cups, well, whatever. But I mean, apart from those, 
who can be happy with what they've done? Well, what I'd just like to say is that what we've been we've been kind of spoiled in the last few years because of the the money that sucked in top players into the top level, the Champions League places of the English Premier League. We have been spoiled in that in that sometimes the team finishing third is worthy of winning the championship. Exactly. This year, you, you, I think Arsenal are worthy of winning the championship. And I will tell you that Arsenal this season are already and about three times as good as the Everton team that won the title in 87, uh, which had Wayne Clark and Inchi Heath up front. Sorry, sorry, if I can just interject one second there. Many of my Everton supporting friends yeah. say that that team was... The, the, that, that basically had it not been for the you're aftermath confusing of the, it with You're confusing it with the 85 team, which was an outstanding team. Okay, by I, any I apologize. By any standard. But the, what happened after that was that they bought Lineker, uh, the you know, Gray went, um, uh, Sharp aged, and basically the team lost heart. It lost its manager eventually. And uh, the 87 team was one of the worst champions I've ever seen since the Derby County team of Clough, which was a Monday inside and lost something like 13 matches while winning the title. So, I mean, you've got to put it all in a bit of context. But they were still the best team in the league that year. Exactly, and they don't mind, as they toast it in Derby, that uh, curmudgeons like me are saying things like I've just said. Moving on to uh, to our, our debate, uh, we've had sort of a, a bit of a rocky ten days as far as player indiscipline. I'm thinking of yeah. the the Ashley Cole incident. Um, I'm thinking of the um, the old firm and those those, those scenes at the end with uh, McCoyst and uh, and Neil Lennon nearly coming to blows. Um, also the the, the, the this Colotore situation where mm. you know he. Dick takes his, his wife's diet pills um, accidentally. You know, that, that's the defense. But you still know that you have to be kind of you know, kind of silly to go and take. It. I mean, I, I was always sort of taught that when you're a professional footballer, um, you don't put anything uh, medical in your mouth unless you get it directly from from the club doctor. So I, I'm just wondering: is is there a level of is there a slightly growing level of, of indiscipline and and impunity? out there, maybe a, a growing level of, of pressure that manifests itself in different ways. For Colatore, maybe he's concerned about his weight, so he pops some ladies' diet pills for for, for Ashley Cole. I guess you, it's you, you, taking you, a you gun. You wonder about uh, Colatore. How can a professional footballer that trains every day and has been in the team for most of the time have a problem with his weight? If, if a guy wants to lose weight, don't take your wife's eat less. Well, he is eating less. It's an appetite suppressant. That's what he's doing. Yes, but you can eat less without... If you can't eat less without an appetite suppressant, then you do have a problem in relation to... Your profession. Your profession. You're in the wrong job. Can I just ask Stuart, through you, Mr Chairman, does it ever... Do you ever look at the brawls and wild tackles on the field and worry if there's a chemical element in the behaviour of the players? Uh, no, I, I had a, a player at uh, Rushton Diamonds when I was coach there that he, I always felt he was a bit mad. He was the goalkeeper and he had a drugs test and uh, was found guilty of taking cocaine and, and was out for a year and a half. And I, and I always put down his mad behaviour to that. And he was obviously on it for a little bit longer than, than we thought he was. I'm assuming he wasn't doing lines before coming onto the pitch. No, but, but he, you know. his behaviour was... Right. was, was uh, 
Outrageous except, in school, except in his school celebrations, which he learned from Robbie Fowler. <laughs> no, but I, no, I, 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 I wouldn't say that's part of it. I don't think players would be very silly if they were taking those sort of chemicals. Alison, right. speaking of, 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 of behaviour, um, I, I want to go back to, to the old firm last week, and I, I'm shocked because I, I and, 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 and I'm shocked about. You know, I've I've met both Ali McCoyst and, and Neil Lennon, and Neil Lennon's a very bright guy. Ali McCoyst, you know, has is is a funny, laid back, nice man. These guys have both been through. I'm guessing between them, probably more than a hundred old firms between sort of player yes. managers and so on. <laughs> exactly, and and at the final whistle, this stuff boils over like this. Um, I don't quite get the the thought process that goes into it, or or lack thereof. But also, I'm I'm just wondering, the clubs, right? I mean, Celtics, uh, Celtics' big boss is Doctor John Reed, who of course is the former um, Secretary of Defense, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, to me, if this this guy was still in is representing my organization, first thing I do is I say, okay, you know. I don't care who's right or wrong, but you don't behave this way because it's dangerous because it can lead to more violence. First thing I do, I just suspend Neil Lennon for, for a week Absolutely. or two weeks because you're my club employee. I expect a certain standard of, of behavior. And I would expect Rangers, you know, I, to, 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 to possibly do the same with do the same with McCoyst. You do that and then you deal with a possible fallout and so on. And yet this kind of stuff doesn't happen. I mean, no, well, no, it doesn't it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen because of the way just because of the way football is. You look after your own. It's like it's like if only yeah, But John Reed's a only, politician. Yes, yes, yes. But if only, for example And he's a doctor, right? Sorry, proceed, Doctor no, Rudd. A logical a logical way to progress after the stalemate over the Wayne Rooney elbow in the game against Wigan would be for the Manchester United hierarchy to say we do not want a player representing our club to be that violent on the pitch. Well, we, he can't on, be suspended, so we will we will suspend. Well, I, I, I think there's a slight difference. No, I don't though. think there is a difference. No, well, I mean, I, I would I would submit that if a manager or coach behaves this way, this is far more serious than a player on the pitch. First of all, um, you know, a, a manager tends to be older. Uh, a manager actually physically represents the club. Mm-hmm. He's not in the heat of battle in the same way mm-hmm. that that a player was. I'm not condoning Rooney, but you know, Rooney does not represent. Rooney is one element that represents Manchester United. You know, McCoist is the assistant coach uh, or assistant manager, whatever his title is at Rangers. The other one is the manager of Celtic. But you know what? You know, Neil Lennon and Ali McCoist, and I, I'm totally with you, uh, Gabby. What, what the supporters would say, they show passion. And this is the mm. one thing that's wrong. Mm. Every time I watch a game, I am, dis- and I use the word that Arsene Wenger used, disgusted mm. with the way the managers and coaches behave on the side of the field. Yeah. That technical area, they might as well not call it a technical area. They, it should be known as the have a go at the fourth official. Have a go playpen. The, the playpen. <laughs> and, I, and, and we go back to Sunderland. Steve Bruce, I, when he's at home, he doesn't do it quite so much away from home. When he's at home, he just plays up to the crowd. He plays against the, the fourth official. He plays against the assistant it is embarrassing he's but, playing to he's playing to his audience when, when they're doing well he, okay. he raises his arm to the chairman I, I just Wait, can't but, believe that the chairman don't see through their manager and say listen I don't want you behaving but, like that the, the, the thing is Steve Bruce you know sort of playing around in the playpen as as Dr. Rudd calls it um 
that doesn't lead people to go try and bash each other's heads in after the game. It does. I think when, when you when you see them head to head with the fourth official, you see them head to head with each other. The game I'm talking about. Okay, but it's not like after the game I'm going to run around look for fourth officials well, and beat them up. No, but mean, when I but mean, when you've got a Rangers manager and a Celtic manager going head to head, and and, and given the background of the story, uh, Arsene uh, Wenger and Alan Pardew not so long ago, head to head. Remember when West Ham scored a late goal? They went head to head. Owen Cole and Steve Bruce end up head to head in a game that I, I went to go. This happens all the time, and it shouldn't happen because they should have more control. How do you expect the players to have discipline? How do you expect the crowd to have discipline when the most important person at the football club, the manager, is misbehaving on the side of the pitch? I, I think that, that that's part of the issue here. What you just said: the most important person at the football club. I, I, therefore, I, I, under the most pressure, therefore, but, most excused ridiculous behaviour because it just... But that's why the manager should not be the most important football club. There should be a chairman, somebody who represents the club. And in theory, there are people like that. Bobby Charlton supposedly represents Manchester United. I mean, th- th- there should be a, a, a good, healthy face of a football club yeah. that you can co- that, that you can oh, put forward. Yeah. Now, I appreciate if I'm Celtic and, you know, my, I obviously between Neil Lennon and John Reid, the good face of the club will always be Neil Lennon because of who John of who, of who John Reed is. Yes. Do you remember punch-ups or, or near punch-ups between Steen. between managers in the past? Uh, well, no, not, nothing. I, like I actually that. remember the, the for all the hatred, it, the managers. The about, the, yes, the, but the point about it is that um, Neil Lennon and Ali McCoyst are mates. Um, they. Unfortunately, I think in the modern game, and I agree with Stuart, I think they they spend more time on on one technique than any other, which is badge kissing, and trying to convince the crowd that they are as passionate as they are. It, it seems to be part of the game now. You you, you know you have this r- ludicrous behaviour of Bouguera, and and it's not just players who've been at the club for a while. They come in and in their first game they have to commit a bad tackle. This is Rangers Celtic I'm talking about, but it equally applies to Manchester United. Mm. I mean Carragher's that's probably the worst tackle Carragher's perpetrated for five years. But, but he felt they feel the they have to do Liverpool, something. The Liverpool fans moaning about it. They say I'll tell you what yeah. Carragher shows some. Yes, passion, but, didn't that, but, but it's up to, and that's why I, I find Reed, um, uh, and, Dr. And, Reed. And, and the and the Rangers uh, leadership, I find them rather pathetic because they're old enough to know better, and the, the, there should there should be a, a coming together of those two clubs and a joint press conference, which I think would probably be more important than a, uh, any um, suspensions and so on. Um, at which they say we've made fools of ourselves and of Scottish football um, we're very very sorry and we're going to make damn sure it ain't going to happen again because well, well, I mean, cause, I mean they, they, they've worked together to fight sectarianism and, and, and so on right I mean oh, the yes. situation's not I mean, the way it was are, 30 years ago right um, some things have improved but you know, some things have got worse and, 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 and it, it was interesting I remember when, the, when Rangers started signing English players uh, the likes of Butcher and Woods and so on, they became more Scottish than the Scottish, more old firm than the old firm. And there was this tremendous... OK, Graham Roberts was there, so it could have been in a cemetery, that fight. But they, 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 they were so determined to show that we are more Scottish and we are more Rangers than you, that they, that they all had this, this great punch-up, which was, in fact, even worse than well, Saturday's. Isn't it Panto, then? It's, Aren't people just playing It's Panto, part? but it isn't funny, because the point about it, the, the reason it isn't funny is that the is that the role of football is to is to regenerate 
everything in football is to do with regeneration and and and, and the next generation coming through and that's why it's deeply just as you know on the technical side the long ball's bad because the children won't get so much enjoyment out of it coming through equally a good example has to be shown to children it's fundamental to the existence of football Paddy thank you for thank you for that and uh, <laughs> I thought I was very eloquently put and I agree 100% well, that's what you get when you hire me <laughs> <laughs> Time now for some uh, uh, for some quick hits. How about that? Gary Cahill scores two as Bolton defeat Villa and leave up to seventh place. Uh, Patty, can you name three English central defenders who are actually better than our Gary Cahill? Yeah. And also, is Owen Coyle your manager of the year? First question, Ledley King, Rio Ferdinand, and, well, John Terry's a better footballer than Cahill, maybe not a better central defender. Ledley is King? Owen... He can't walk. Ledley King is the best central defender in England. But, uh, English one, um, and is Owen Coyle the manager of the year? Well, he's certainly a uh, leader in the clubhouse. All right. Ledley King on crutches right now. I'm not, not quite sure. I, I should have probably should have said fit, able-bodied ones. In that case, uh, the answer to your question would have been no. Spurs are held to dry wolves in an end-to-end game. Uh, uh, Stuart, was this a great game or was it actually a bit of a car crash? It was a great game. You want to see good goals. You want to see plenty of forward action. There was plenty of chances. Midfield players running into the box. But if you do all that, you are going to have some poor defensive play. And it was a great game on a bad pitch. You don't usually see good passing and good goals on as bad a pitch as you saw at Wolves on Sunday. The Molyneux groundsman uh, thanks you. Uh, Speaking of Wolves, I personally thought they were absolutely jobbed by the referee, both with Hutton's non-sending off and Stearman's disallowed goal. Alison, you're the resident ref. Stick up for your fraternity, or sorority as the case may be. And please tell me you feel just a little bit sorry for Barnsley Mick McCarthy. I thought McCarthy was so dignified after that. I mean, he got a draw, but really they did enough in in many ways, actually, and in the way they played to to have won. Um, Boy, it's it's so rare to see a team in the bottom three playing such lovely football. And I actually disagreed with both Mark Holsey's key decisions in that game, but they were both, there's a case there, and that's how he saw them, and I wouldn't criticise him for it. Mark Halsey, actually a very nice man. Um, Gab, anyway, listen, one for you. Um, We're worn out giving answers, and also we want to find out about FC Bayern, the most high-profile club in München. They've lost again, this time to Hanover. Louis van Gaal looks to be on thin ice. Why? I mean, after all, aren't they within 190 minutes of knocking the holders out of the Champions League? And didn't he come, van Gaal, within 90 minutes of winning the treble last Year. Indeed he did. And in fact, in my uh, column uh, in the game, I, I sort of draw an analogy between uh, between Van Hal and, uh, and Carlo Ancelotti. Of course, both double winners last season, both fourth place, and yet one of them seems to be in danger of getting the sack. One of them has his, uh, his boss, his president, coming out and saying that, you know, that this is a situation of grave concern and, and, and basically having a go at him. I think the real reason is, and this is a, a, an important life lesson, is do unto others if you are nice and respectful and people like you, they'll tend to give you the benefit of the doubt. Witness Carlo Ancelotti. If you go around, you know, behaving like a Louis van Gaal, then uh, uh, then you'll find yourself in trouble, especially when you've got two outspoken, hardcore Germanic dudes like Hoeneß and, uh, and Rummenigge as your employers. That's all we've got time for today. You can go to www.thetimes.co.uk. You'll find all your news, your gossip, your analysis. Also, our web chats. Mine's on Mondays and Patty's is on? Tuesdays. Thank you, Patty, for that. You also get Ollie K. And for a bit of North of the Border flavor, how about Graham Spears' web chat on a Wednesday? 
But don't worry. We'll be back next week. Catch us then. Goodbye.